This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 20 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Equestrian Life. Exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life. They can be found at equestrianlife.com and Kentucky Performance Products online at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Lisa Wilcox. You're listening to the Dressage Radio Show presented by Equestrian Life. Well, hello, Lisa. How great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Not only is it your first time on the Dressage Radio Show, but you're also going to be a co-host for us here on the show. So this is great. I'm delighted. Welcome. Well, what a pleasure. And I'm so excited about this program. Um, I think it's awesome. You've got some fantastic people that you've interviewed, and what a way to get information live. We get to actually hear from Adeline Cornelison or Robert Dover and get some of the updates, what's going on in the world. Well, we try. To so get I'm the, honored. <laughs> we try to get the scoop, uh, Lisa, and uh, we, you know, keep. Uh, Keep our audiences informed. You know, we started off earlier this year with Heather Blitz helping us. It was it was wonderful. Heather being, of course, based in Denmark, and and now she's relocating to Florida, when and uh, just as you have done. And so we we thought we would um, make some changes here. While um, as I say, Heather is has got her hands full right now. So we've made some changes to our co-host and. It, Every other week, um, we're going to have you um, and Debbie McDonald. Of course, Debbie joined us uh, last week, and uh, she's um, she's going to take the chair on the weeks that you uh, the alternate weeks from you. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You and I have worked together in the past, so we know each other's foibles a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, I've learned from the best. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we we try to have some fun on this show, uh, Lisa. And and so what I thought we would do something quite different this week. Typically, we have a kind of a standard format with the show, and we um, we include some news of the week, and um, you know, and we kind of mix it up each each week a little bit um, in terms of uh, you know we get we get some wonderful guests, as you said, we've had fabulous guests. But since this is your first time, we thought we'd dedicate this show to you to tell your story because you've had a very very interesting journey you you know you have uh, you, you you've you're the one of the people that's made it you you journeyed to europe and you had a wonderful period there in in in, in europe and got onto the team and now uh, you've journeyed back to the u.s and, and so we thought we'd spend uh, the time today on this week's show to talk about to talk about you and introduce our audience around the world to to Lisa Wilcox and it's it's quite a story. Do you feel you're you're getting settled into a new life now? I really do. I feel like I've been around the world and back. And you know, when you land, you almost feel like a foreigner in your home country because I was so I was gone so long, and I had found. 
it took, it's taken me three years to establish myself here in the United States and, and for the Americans to get to know Lisa Wilcox. And you know how big America is. Really, the only ones that have had a chance to really get to know me are the Floridians. And, of course, when I teach clinics, the places that I go, the country is, is very large. And so that's the big difference. In Germany, I think I'm face-to-face with the public pretty much every weekend. As you know, I was presenting the stallions either at stallion shows or I was showing them. And so you, you get to feel like you know everybody. But this country is still so large that that most of the United States is still scratching their head and thinking, now, who is Lisa? You know, we know she was in Europe and we know she came back, but there are still people that come to me today and say, did you move back? How long did you get to stay in the United States? And I'm thinking, well, I've been back for three years, but that just goes to show you how much distance there there is in a country this size. Absolutely, and I I noticed uh, um, also now you you've lost your little bit of German accent you were picking up there because your German is absolutely fluent. I mean, I was privileged to work with you during the World Equestrian Games back in Aachen in two thousand and six, uh, and uh, I was so impressed at how fluid your German was. But uh, and then coming back here speaking English, understandably, you carried with you a little bit of accent, but that accent's gone now. It's it's really starting to dissipate. Although I, you know, I continue with my connection with Aaron Tires, who comes over still regularly. He'll be coming over again for a uh, clinic the first, second, and third of November, and then as well as going back and forth for the procure uh, photo shoots. Well, but well, the fact we... that you're not speaking it daily, absolutely. <laughs> what we thought we'd do just. Uh... To, to uh, remind everybody what your story is, Lisa, obviously you were born here in the States. Tell us a little bit about those early days, where you, where you grew up and uh, how you got into horses. Okay. Um, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. <clears throat> My father, a pilot in the Air Force, and then eventually a pilot for United Airlines. We moved around a lot. And uh, so I eventually, we ended up in Colorado for a long time. Uh, a larger period of my uh, childhood, and I can consider myself having have grown up there on a ranch with uh, quarter horse thoroughbreds, cattle, all sorts of stuff, and learning in a Western saddle, learning basically bareback, actually, then Western saddle, then English, you know, begging mom to get us an English saddle, and, and she'd work her buns off and, and get us these big old 18-inch saddles, and if you can imagine a, a 9-year-old, 10-year-old girl and her little buns and an 18-year-old jumping saddle, 18 inch, excuse me. And, uh, and then we eventually got to join the pony club and, uh, I was responsible for hauling my sisters around at a relatively young age. As soon as I got my license, my father was okay. You load them, you drive them. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) I am going to learn this because I want to take them to the pony club rallies and all those fun things that we would do in the summertime. That's great. And, so you were uh, in Pony Club. That, you know, which, which Pony Club was it, Lisa? It was Storm Peak Pony Club in Larksville, Colorado. Great. And, and what a wonderful start that is. And of course, you know, I grew up with Pony Club in England, and we've talked to a lot of Pony Club people here on, on the different shows here. And they all, you know, all say the same. It's just a wonderful foundation, and it's so much fun, isn't it? You know what? They teach, they teach the kids horsemanship. Yes. And that is, for me... Priority, number one. 
you need to know how to take care of your horse before you go out and start showing and looking, you know, before you take them out and show them. You need to know how to care for them, how to feed them, how to keep your tack clean, how to be responsible and respectful of your equipment, your horse, and everything you do in that in that aspect with yeah. your animal. And uh, I, I feel like that's what they... They really give kids a responsibility to respecting yes. what they're doing with these animals. Yes, and I think that's you know increasingly important as ever, isn't it? With these days, with the children having so many choices, and it's so, so much a disposable consumer society that, and you get you you, you see a lot, and I'm sure you do. Uh, teaching your students, Lisa, how people come into the sport at a later later stage in life and they haven't had the benefit of learning horsemanship up through the ranks, you know, and they, they don't have an appreciation for general stable management. Absolutely, or even um, understanding the mannerisms of a horse. Right. So that's where you get the, the fear yeah. and then uh and misunderstandings between communication of the amateur and the horse and so my job is to be the the person who <laughs> deciphers or explains now this is what your horse was thinking you may have thought bolt but he's not bolting he's this or that or the other and so and it's it i it is difficult the older you are to find that Comp, or it's not even a compromise, but to find the the courage to get through these things. Where as a kid, we'd fall off. You're made out of rubber. You get back on again, <laughs> and the fear factor is very small. You know, it, yes. it's all about getting on and getting over that fence again. Absolutely. But the older we get, we're a little rickety. <laughs> Can't afford these accidents, and so it, it. But you, you know what the key is. Good trainers find matching horse uh, people combos. Yes, horse rider combos. Yes, That's the right horse for the right. You're gonna rider. start exactly if if you're gonna start later in life, then you need to find the right partner. Yes, absolutely. Very important. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you clearly got off to a flying start. Then you were careering around uh, the pony club with your with your sister. You had two sisters were both in pony club. Yes, I had two sisters as well in Pony Club, and we had uh, probably the prettiest uh, rig you've ever seen. It was a bright orange Chevrolet truck with a maroon stock trailer. <laughs> so wherever the Wilcox kids went, boy, <laughs> things lit up. And off came our little quarter horse thoroughbreds. Crammed in there like polo ponies. <laughs> but anyway, it was a good time. Our tack was clean. Our hair was very neatly. Well, I, I just, so fun. this is a great visual, Lisa, if you don't. <laughs> Trust me. Told you I said, when I get older, oh, I'm going to have a really nice looking truck and trailer. I swear <laughs> to God. So <laughs> anyway, I do. But uh, it's taken a few years. Oh, that's funny. So so how did you get the transition then uh, from those pony club days into pure dressage? Did you did you do the eventing, hunting? I hunting, did eventing. Hunting? I kind of then wandered into the eventing, which is very natural coming out of pony club, and then got accepted to Colorado State University up in Fort Collins, Colorado. And a good friend of mine was going to school up there at the same time, and he had some really good event horses and allowed me to help him in the evenings, obviously after 
studying, we'd go out, and then uh, he had like four event horses up at school. Heck yes, I'll help you. And uh, as it is, got connected with a man, a doctor in Denver, Colorado, who had a farm and a bunch of event horses, warm bloods actually. And uh, I then started to have a job for that guy in the summertime in between school when we'd have our vacation, our, our summer vacation, our break. And by about the third year, he asked me if I would stay rather than just do summers if I would stay. And uh, that was a huge decision, finish school or really stay here full time and really get into the eventing with these horses. And I did that. My mother wanted to kill me. <laughs> and uh, it actually, it paid off. What I ended up doing, I was eventing these horses. I only got to the level of preliminary. They were, unfortunately, I had one, his name was Balad. I used to call him Swedish meatballs because we would, we'd get everything. The dressage was good. Uh, we would fight to make the time preliminary. And then stadium was, as I say, Swedish meatballs. His big old hooves took about every rail out there. And, um, but then I had some others that were lighter, Holsteiner, and uh, was moving right along with those guys when I decided, you know, it's really not about the cross country in the stadium, it's about the dressage. And I started to look for really good dressage training, and that's when I ran into Jan Abeling. Chris? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, Jan, who's based, of course, and in that's California. And that started. Yes, and so I met Jan Abeling at a dressage show and then asked if he would start to help me with some of my eventing horses. And sure enough, one thing led to another, and we got married. But uh, we went out to California together a little later, out to Sandstone, which is out in Hidden Valley, which is uh, Westlake, California, and uh, got married out there, but worked together for Dr. Salad. And, um, yeah, then we decided it would be a good thing if Lisa went to Germany with his funny boy and trained with Herbert Raymond. This would be good for business. And then I could start to begin to have my own clientele and so on and so forth. Uh, if it would all be that easy. So I went over to Grandelthof, Herbert Rabine's farm, in the northern part of Germany, Hamburg, and I sat there staring at Jan Brink, Kira Kirkland, Lida Strike, all these riders riding around me, and here I am on this little funny boy, and uh, I would sit on the wall, I'd have my ride up with my horse, Herbert would get on, and I'm telling you, I would he'd do passage, pee off, 110B, and I would get on, and I thought, it felt as if someone had put hot air balloons on Funny Boy's hoods. The passage was huge feeling suddenly. The horse was so elastic. So although I did not speak German then, the goal was to watch what he was doing. Okay, I'll figure this out. I'll watch him. Well, Herbert Rabine sat about as still as a statue up there. So you couldn't tell where this horse was getting an impulse. I didn't see his leg move. I didn't see a butt cheek wiggle. Butt cheek wiggle. Nothing. And uh, so 
It was a lot of learning with your senses because uh, I had my eye sense and my feeling sense, which ended up to be a blessing. I didn't have the language to help me. So I would watch and I would feel, and then I'd get on again. I'd watch and I would feel and try to make an understanding of it for myself. And I got to be very lucky because he would see me very, very patiently standing on the wall, and then all of a sudden it was, Lisa, go get blah, blah, blah. I was out like a dart. He'd asked me to go get another horse to warm up and ride that was in his stable already. So I'd run down, help, help, which horse is this? i got to get it ready now. And all those riders would help me. They'd find the horse for me. We'd get the saddle, get the tack, and boom, off I was into the working arena. And then he'd drill one tempies and passage and, and, and specific things with these specific horses. So I think he recognized that a patient eagerness standing on the wall, and because I only had one horse, I would just stare at Kira riding or Karen Rabine on Donner Hall, you can imagine, and Don Primero, those stallions back oh, then. Oh, well, yes. I mean, yeah, yes, it, there's a, a real eyeful there, and uh, it's fascinating how that, that story you know, unfolded and, and introduced you to Germany. Well, we're going to take a short break here, Lisa, um, for uh, one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and hear the rest of your European adventures. So uh, hold tight. Okay. We will be back in one minute. It is fantastic to have our friends at Equestrian Life as the title sponsors for the Dressage Radio Show. If you have not been to Equestrian Life yet, you need to go. In addition to being the official social community for the Horse Radio Network, it is one of the fastest growing horse communities on the internet. It is truly the Facebook for horse people. The goal of EquestrianLife.com is to bring equestrians together and to provide them with the breadth and depth of information and tools they need to learn and connect with other horse lovers who share the same passion. EquestrianLife.com is a fun, inviting website that strives to provide its members with a world-class experience that fosters the expression of all the ways people enjoy their horses and the people who are part of the horse world. EquestrianLife.com's social media platform provides users with cutting-edge applications and tools, such as people in horse profiles, social Q&A, status updates, messaging, photo uploading, groups, comments, blogs, expert high-definition videos, directories, birthday reminders, alerts, messaging, and on and on and on, in addition to their partnership with the Horse Radio Network. This community is designed by horse people for horse people and is filled with educational and entertaining video and audio all about our horses. Ride on over to Equestrian Life today, sign up for free, and tell all of your friends. If you love horses, EquestrianLife.com is the place to be. Lisa, uh, coming back to your European adventure, so how, after the, your uh, experiences at Ryburn, then what happened next? Where did you go from there? I went back home. I was allowed to stay over there. I think I was over there for about two and a half months, almost three. Then I came home, and I'll be really honest with you. I had I had the feeling I was never going to learn that in America. And uh, I told you, and I've got to go back. And so for uh, lack of a I, – I had no reason to divorce him, nothing. And I just said, I need – I want to learn this. I'm sorry. Look, I want to learn this. And so off I went. Uh, our divorce was finalized, but Herbert Rabine had gotten me a job in Denmark. 
So I went back to Denmark first. And I think this is when you get to test what you're all about. I felt horrible about the decision I'd made. Um, many people, including my family members, had said, you'll never make it. You're going to come back home. And I guess uh, that's the part of me that just grew horns and said, you want to bet. So irregardless of how lonely it got and how guilty I felt, I, I couldn't have been in the better place. I think Denmark had more snow than it ever had since 10 years. <laughs> me leaving this balmy California to this snow and I was riding in an arena where the snow would blow through the cracks in the wall. The, the uh, footing would ball up as ice in their hooves. So I rode with a hoof pick and like an Eskimo suit. And um, I would ride and ride and ride. And there were lots of sales horses, lots of rank animals, lots of nice stallions. But it was just a combination of everything. And sit there and sometimes cry thinking... Oh, my gosh, what have I done? But the stubborn part of me said, keep going, you're going to be fine. Keep going, you're going to be fine. Well, six months into this, I got a job offer in uh, Germany. For uh, And it's interesting. I had landed at breathing facilities. It's not like I looked for them. I was looking for the first person who would take me. And apparently, breathing farms have a hard time finding riders. <laughs> so those were the first people out going, sure, we'll take you. Um, she gets on anything. And uh, so I got a job at Gestutra in Zealand, just south of Hamburg, about half an hour. And, and again, could you speak any German? A- could you speak any German at that time, Lisa? No, I still was hunting and pecking for words. And the guy that I worked for in Denmark could speak German and Danish. His wife could speak a little English, and me with my English going, oh, boy. So we'd do a lot of sign language together. We'd drive around in the truck taking the horses, the, uh, the stallions, the stallion shows, just kind of sign languaging it. So I kind of got a feeling for looking into people's eyes, guessing what it is they're talking about. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, so I got to the job in... Had lots of great stallions, Condor M, who I qualified for Bundeschampionat. And then I had Veltberger, who had been a four-year-old, won Bundeschampionat with Holger Finken. And then I had Pergunt and uh, Donizetti. And that's, this is where I got my Bereiter. I took my Bereiter exam there. Mm-hmm. And I also got my um, license to collect and inseminate. Collect stallions and inseminate mares. You see, not everybody knows this about Lisa Wilcox, that you have that no, license. No, they don't. <laughs> it it uh, got some licenses to kill. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just thought, okay, I'm a woman in Germany, and I need certification. And I was going to do everything they did. So I did. And I happened to work for two lady, uh, ladies that were doctors, they were x-ray specialists, so they were very keen in getting these degrees for me in, in a sense. They wanted to make sure that I did have these licenses, and that was the support I got there, and that was fantastic. I spent two and a half years there, and then I took a break from that facility because it ended up being, I, I just had the entire responsibility of the farm. It was a very large farm, and so I was collecting stallions, intimidating mares, managing the entire farm, and then trying to get the horses written at the same time. So the day was never long enough. And at some point, I just ran out of my ever-ready battery, just went 
like off. So I took a break. I went up to a friend in Hamburg, rode with him for six months, just helping him out. And I thought, I'm not going to start back up until I have a position that I, I at least start where I left off. And guess who comes and taps on my shoulder at the World Equestrian Games in Fergen? Udula Forvac. Mm-hmm. I am at a stand getting a Coca-Cola, or I believe. And a friend of mine is off getting some ice cream. And it's a nice summer day. And somebody just jabs a finger in my right shoulder. I jumped. I turned around. And I see Gudula Forvec. Who does not know who Gudula Forvec is? Because of Rubenstein, Rodiamont, Royal Diamond. I looked at her and she says, Are you looking for a job? I said, I could be. <laughs> of course I am. But I thought, don't ask. Don't ask this So uh, she says, okay. And she makes a date. Let's. Uh, she gives me a telephone number. Actually, we make a phone call. I'm supposed to call her and then we're going to arrange a date. Well, I do arrange a date and uh, bring all my riding equipment and nervously drive down to Gestut Vorwerk and Kepern. And uh, I got out of the car and that is a family event. They want to see, everybody on that farm wanted to see who this interviewed jockey is going to be. And if she even makes it. Everybody had a say in it. So I'm looking at Aunt, I'm looking at Gudla's aunt, her husband, all the employees on the farm. So we have a conversation, and I said, I have my boots. Would you like me to ride? And apparently they weren't even going to ask me to ride because I was working for a Gert. Let me just say, Gert Reedbrook was a judge in the region that would come and help me at Gestutrand dealing with the stallions. And when she lost her rider, Martina Hanover, he said, I have the perfect rider for you. So it was word of mouth. And he said, and I know she's not riding for this farm anymore. You should find her. I'm not sure where she is, but she would be the perfect rider. And that's when it started. And so uh, they looked at me and they said, well, sure. And they pulled out Rodiamont. And Rodiamont had just won Bundeschampion on. Well, that was so a challenge heart, for you. Were you nervous? Well, I'm looking at the stallion going, Oh, I'm about to sit on a Ferrari. <laughs> now my heart is pounding, and I'm thinking, oh, you know what? If I don't get the job, at least I can say I have ridden rhodium on it. Yes, so, exactly. At least you'd have some takeaway. You know, exactly. So I'm like, calm down, calm down, just calm down and ride. So I got on, and I rode him, and uh, got off. Nobody says anything. You know, the Germans don't smile. Don't give anything away, the poker face. So I thought, well, guess that didn't go over too well. Well, no, they want to talk to me still. Okay. So we go up to this room, and they go, so this will be your living quarters. How much do you want? <laughs> I said, huh? <laughs> I got the job. I got the job. I got the job. So, and that was then seven years, and that was my absolute highlight it was a fantastic seven years between uh, Rosier, Rodiamont, Royal Diamond, Relevant, Friedensfirst, uh, Danny Wilde, <laughs> Ruby Nero. 
I can name at least 15 stallions that I presented there and rode and, and made a career. Absolutely. It was. Yeah, the highlight of your career there. And uh, of course, uh, Relevant took you to the World Equestrian Games in Jerez uh, and and many other things too. Are there any real special moments there that you could pull out of that uh, period that you were at Gustav Fabach, Lisa, that really will always stick with you? Definitely. Um, My highlights at Gustav Fabach were Bundeschampionat winning it as a six year old with Royal Diamond. Being uh, the FITSA champion as a five-year-old with Royal Diamond and then winning it as a six-year-old with Royal Diamond was huge because the Bundeschampionat for breeders is it. And uh, that's where stallions are. That's where they are titled right there. And, so and, and from, from there, of course, you, you, you then went and had a short spell in Switzerland before you came back here, didn't you? Yes, I did. I spent after, after Athens. And I did with Relevant. I th- another highlight was winning Stuttgart. So oh, I have nice. a my name and flag is up in Stuttgart in the indoor hall there. Right. And yep. then also going to Hickstead and being individual silver at the Open European Championships, as we just recently experienced the wonderful European Championships that I was able to do as an open individual, and uh, and won the silver behind Ola Salzgeber. Individual. Yes. Well, absolutely. That you know, you really, you've really been up amongst them, and, and obviously come away from Europe with an ama- amazing experience, and and as well as memories, and some wonderful partnerships. I mean, that has, has obviously helped you enormously. But you, you know, you've mentioned to me in the past, Lisa, you still had to come back here to the states. Being American, you were known in, in and got quite a reputation. Obviously, not only just being in Europe. But being on the team as well, but you still, because you were not based here, there there was a there was a large section of the population here, the dressage population, who still weren't familiar with Lisa Wilcox and, and <clears throat> as a rider based in this country. So, tell us about that transition coming back here, which was what now three years ago. Yes, three. It'll be four years this coming March, but right now three years. Yes, coming on four. Unbelievable. But you know, as I as I gained the respect of the German through my years of, and I also then got my uh, instructor's license. I went on to get my instructor's license and my truck driver's license. So I gained the respect of the Germans. I had to do that here in America as well. It was not enough, which it shouldn't be also. It wasn't enough for me to be successful over there and then come back. They were still waiting to say, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Who are you? And so um, I built myself back up here, introducing myself back slowly into the equestrian world. And going there the first year, of course, I couldn't have competition horses right away. I just rented a 12-stall barn, this is how I started, and filled it with whatever I could fill it with. And what I filled it with was a lot of clients who wanted to show themselves, which I realized, wow, this is already very different in America. People aren't looking for riders to ride their horses. They are looking for you to train them to be successful at shows on their horses. So that first year was teaching others to be successful in the show arena. I sat on the sidelines. The second year, I decided, guess who needs a horse? Lisa does. A very good friend and I uh, of mine partnered with me on my own personal horse, which is a Passionelle. She's a Dutch warm-blood jazz, jazz mare. And uh, she's about IQ right now. So I realized right away, this is, you need to have your own horse in America. Then the next year, I 
partnered up with Janet Bell and Tom Benson. Uh, they had uh, the mayor, Naomi, that I was able to qualify to the selection trials in San Juan Capistrano for Hong Kong. But it was a very quick round. I think we had less than a year to get our Grand Prix finished. And I went over for three months to train with Ernst, came back, hit all the qualifiers starting January, February, March, and throughout. Made it by the hair on my chinny-chin-chin. I think I was exactly 12th. And then ended up being 8th overall in the country. Which it was a, it was a short, it was a run. It was a run for my money. It was going to be a heads or a tails. And I knew I was going to be short just to reach that. But I gave it a go, and I think that's where I kind of got my foot back in the door by USEF, who is now now recognizing that I am back. I'm out there trying to get horses for myself to compete. And by the third year, I moved into Tooney Page's farm, which everybody knows. She has a beautiful farm in Wellington. She's a very successful writer herself. And I'm now there with Robert Dover, Odette Shimoni, Tooney, and myself, and we have a ball together. It is so professional. Uh, we are colleagues working with another and enjoying each other and helping each other. And in the meantime, I have gotten a hold of fabulous horses. I have two Lusitanos from Ingrid Lynn that are going both Grand Prix. I have uh, received a 72% on the K-Bah in the Grand Prix. And as I, I heard today, I am, I think, third in the country on that one. I think Ravel is number one and uh, Ashley Holzer's. Pop art is number two, and K-Bot is three. Wow. Now, this is hearsay. <laughs> it has about an average of about a 69%. Well, that's, that's, that's terrific. So you've got the horsepower now, Lisa, and uh, you also, of course, do a lot of teaching, don't you? So you, you, over the past yes, few yes. years, you'll have built up quite a clientele there in Florida. Yes. Yes, I have. And it's just getting to know how America works, how, this, how the equestrian world works here. And I've, I've realized how it works, and I'm fitting in. I'm making it work. And I think we're all, uh, I'm really enjoying Tooney Page's place. I've got some great riders under my, uh, uh, in, you know, in my program that work for me, some, some great uh, working students that are showing some of the horses. And, you know, I've partnered now with High Life Farms, which is a farm up in Orlando, another breeding farm. So I've got lots of stallions. I work very closely with all the various breeding organizations um, because we have beautiful mares from Westphalen, Holsteiner, Oldenburger, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like uh, the circle's closing again. I'm going right back to that Stutkovac feeling. I was going to say that you really have come full circle now. So what would you say your ambitions are now at this point in your career, Lisa? I am working toward the World Equestrian Games because I want to see Chris Stafford up in Kentucky. <laughs> well, there'll but be a lot of people waiting for you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I've got, not only do I have these two very talented uh, Lusitanos, I have De Iro. He won the Bundes Championnat as a four-year-old in 2000 with Johannes Westendorp. And he hasn't been shown since he was five, year old, five years old and Joan bought him off the elite auction in Fechter. He was the most expensive horse off that auction, and now nobody's seen him. So he's kind of my little secret. And I've just started taking him out into media, too, and he's pretty special. So that is also one that I'm kind of secretly bringing behind the Lusitanos, and we shall see. Well, We shall see, exciting. but I've got a yes. barn full of fun, fun future.
Well, it done. It certainly sounds exciting, Lisa. You know, we'll be following you keenly now, especially you, as you're a co-host on the show, and you'll be here every other week and be, be able to bring us updates with what's happening with those horses back home and how, you know, you're progressing towards that goal of team selection again. It'd be great to see you back on the team. So, uh, you know, we look forward to that. We're going to take a short break here uh, for a commercial, Lisa, and then uh, you're going to give us a tip of the week. So uh, stay tuned. We will be right back. Oversupplementation can be a problem, and not every horse needs a supplement. But when they do, you can count on Kentucky Performance Products to provide scientifically formulated, research-proven products that target specific challenges facing your dressage horses. Developed to complement, not compete with a balanced diet, KPP supplements will enhance the well-being of your horse. Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. You know, dressage horses sweat. As they sweat, horses lose water and vital electrolytes. Summer Games Plus Electrolyte Paste mimics the composition of equine sweat, supplying your horse with the exact amounts of electrolytes he needs. But what makes Summer Games Plus really unique is that it also contains Nalox antacid. Nalox protects your horse's stomach from the negative effects of stress. This extra protection is especially important for horses exposed to stressful situations such as competition, transportation, and unfamiliar stabling. Summer Games Plus is packaged in an easy-to-use syringe, making administration fast and accurate, especially at shows. So when your horse is on the go, keep him at the top of his game with Dual Action Summer Games Plus Electrolyte Paste. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, thanks again to our sponsors, KPP USA, and please visit them on their website as well as Equestrian Life and give them your support as you make your choices. Um, without them, these shows would not be possible. And, and Lisa, now coming to your first training tip of the week here, um, we, you know, we, there's a price to pay when you come on this show. We, we, do, we do learn from you as well. We're looking forward very much to you giving us a, a training tip each week. So what have you got for us this week? It's going to sound very simple, but it is something I learned in my 12 years in Europe. This is the one thing that uh, Anne Sawyers was able to to help me to understand, but it's the longer you take, the faster it goes. And my point would be take your time in the training. You want the, the, the goal is that they understand what we're doing. And if we take our time, and correct ourselves nine times out of ten, it's our mistake. And when we ask correctly, they'll understand. So don't get in a hurry. I understand we all have dates and things that we'd like. Don't don't let the show calendar rule your life. You rule that show calendar. And if he's not ready or she's not ready, they're just not ready yet. So uh, my tip would be just simply take your time. I think that's really good good advice, and I think, you know, it, you pointed out that, you know, often we look at the show calendar and we focus on that being our target, when really, you know, maybe we just need another week, maybe another two weeks, maybe even longer. Um, but I and, think, you know, I'm, I'm the queen of scratching. <laughs> enter it. You can certainly enter it. If it makes you feel good, enter it. But don't be afraid of scratching. 
it is simply if it's you want that horse to have the best experience he could possibly have because it's a learning experience. A bad experience learned takes a long time to correct. So, so make it a good experience. Absolutely, and I think to consolidate what you're what you're enforcing to reinforce and reinforce and consolidate that, so it's it's like a building block. It's like climbing a ladder or building the foundations of a house, isn't it, Lisa? You've got to have the foundation absolutely right. solid before you can start to build. Because if you build too fast, the house is going to topple over eventually if the foundation isn't secure, right? Yeah, think about those three little pigs, huh? We all wanted to move into the brick house, but it's not. <laughs> when that wolf came around, everybody wanted into the brick house. <laughs> well, I think that's good advice, Lisa. So that's our training tip of the week, and uh, we'll look forward to the next one, uh, Lisa. So think, I'm, I'm sure you've got plenty in your head. You could just come up with them all day long. Oh, yes. I got some fun stuff. Good. All right. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, we're just playing running out of time here, Lisa. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we really enjoyed having you as part of this uh, Dressage Radio show. And we want to remind everybody that you can follow our show notes at dressageradio.com. You can send us your feedback. You can leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025. You can email me at chris at horseradionetwork.com. And if you have any messages for Lisa or you have any questions you want to ask or a training tip, Please send those to me, and I'll make sure that Lisa gets those, and we would love to hear from you. Don't forget that uh, the Dressage Radio Show has a fan page on Facebook. We're very keen on Facebook and Twitter here at the Horse Radio Network. If you follow us regularly, you'll know where to find us at Twitter as well. You'll find us at Horse Radio, and that uh, link to the Facebook fan page can be found on our website too. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life and Kentucky Performance Products. You can visit them at kppusa.com. And Equestrian Life, of course, is the official social network of the Horse Radio Network. And they can be found at equestrianlife.com. Well, next week, Debbie McDonald's going to be back in the uh, chair and keeping your chair warm for you, uh, Lisa. And she's going to uh, be, as, as, she, as she joins us next week, we're also going to be talking to Isabel Wirth. Um, I'm going to have a chat with Isabel and... Uh, hear about her impending uh, birth of her first child and uh, and how she's been spending these past few months. Very exciting for her. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be next week on the show. And, uh, and that's very exciting, Lisa. And, uh, and of course, in the meantime, um, that's going to be a couple of weeks before we, we hear from you again. So uh, tell us what you're going to be up to. Are you showing next week? I will be doing the regional in three week, uh, two weeks. Two weeks we have the regionals here in Florida, so cross your fingers. I've got the two Lucy tunnels going, and then uh, my other horses are going in the open classes. Terrific. So uh, keep your fingers crossed. Terrific. So you're going to be plenty busy. I'll be plenty busy. All right. Well, it's been a f- so much fun having you here, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And, we, uh, and it's uh, been an absolute pleasure, as usual, Chris, to work with you. All right. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, and we look forward to uh, uh, speaking to you again in two weeks' time. And that's all we have time for this week. So until next week, thanks for listening, everybody, and enjoy your riding. <laughs> <laughs>